Why did you come to Crystal Cove, Mr. Shepherd? We don't get many attractions like yours here. It was the cheese. The cheese told me to come here. Welcome to another episode of the Unmasked History of Scooby-Doo, the podcast where we delve into the mystery of Scooby-Doo media, getting clues from people who helped bring our favorite mystery-solving dog to life on various platforms, and maybe eating some Scooby snacks along the way. I'm your host, Alexa Lawler. We're just solving mysteries. All the kids are doing it. No, they're not. What have you kids done now? You can call me Mr. D. Welcome to the second episode in this month's Mystery Incorporated theme. In this one, we have Roger Eschbacher, who wrote five episodes of the show, including Battle of the Humongonauts and The Hodag of Horror, which is where the lovely opening quote came from. <laughs> Let's just get right into it. Roger, how's it going? Pretty good. How are you doing, Alexa? I'm good. Thanks so much for taking the time out today to chat to me. No problem. I've been looking forward to it. So if you're up for it, I'd like to start off with a quick three-question trivia game. Uh Uh-oh. And each question has to do with an episode that you wrote. Oh, no. Well, I just, uh, if uh, hopefully you will be kind to me. I know you will but uh, also the listeners. Um, I don't have necessarily an encyclopedic memory of uh, all the stuff I've written, but uh, I will do my best. Definitely. Um, So the first question is, what are the names of the brothers who are revealed to be dressing up as the Humongonauts? Oh, shoot. I don't know. (laughs) See? (laughs) Max and Jax Minner. Oh, okay, there you go. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, uh, I remember now the um, name Minner came from uh, a librarian friend of mine, uh, Ann Minner. Um, and so I, I just, I appropriated her last name for the brothers. Okay. Um, and what was the name of the top secret video game platform in the Wild Brood? <sighs> I don't know. <laughs> I think I'm failing this horribly. I'm sorry. <laughs> Swordfish. Oh, of course. Of course. Which is, of course, a reference from an uh, uh, old Marx Brothers movie. And last question. True or false? The Hodag of Horror is based on a real folkloric animal from Wisconsin. That is true. For sure. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And how did that come about, actually? Uh, that came about um, via uh, one of the uh, producers and I guess sort of the head writer of the show early on, especially uh, Mitch Watson uh, had a uh, <laughs> had a thing about the uh, the hodag and uh, thought it was pretty funny. And I guess some of the other producers did, too. And I, you know, I had never heard of it before, but when they mentioned it, I thought it was hilarious. So, uh 
I, I went with it. <laughs> Perfect. Um, and so to start off the general questions, what's your relationship to Scooby-Doo? Did you watch it all? Yeah, I watched it growing up. Um, you know, uh, the original series and, uh, you know, various other uh, versions along the way. But, uh, yeah, when I, when I heard that there was a, a possible opening uh, as a, for a writer on the uh, Mystery Incorporated, I was like, yes. And I, I uh, called my agents and talked to them and had, me, uh, had them get me in on a meeting with uh, Mitch. And uh, the meeting went well. He knew me from my uh, work uh, at the Groundlings, which is a comedy theater out here in Los Angeles. And, um, you know, next thing I know, I'm writing scripts. And how did you come to write for animation to begin with? Uh, once again, that's through the um, uh, through the Groundlings. Uh, uh, if you need a deeper explanation of what the Groundlings is, you're w more than welcome to ask. But basically, uh, a friend of mine who was in the Groundlings with me named uh, Mark Steen uh, was working on a show called uh, Ah Real Monsters, which was a classy chupo uh, project that was on Nickelodeon. And uh, it was about the sort of the alternate world or alternative world of monsters that uh, sort of uh, exist within our uh, everyday world. And uh, he was, uh, Mark Steen was the uh, head writer, um, the story editor, I should say, on uh, Our Real Monsters. And he asked me if I, you know, wanted to pitch some ideas. And I did and uh, started getting into it and, uh, and writing uh, writing animation scripts. And uh, I, I had, I, you know, I've always loved animation, uh, you know, uh, especially like early anime, like Speed Racer and Astro Boy and all that. So that uh, sort of reveals my age, but uh, uh, I've always loved that stuff. And so when I had an opportunity to get into it, uh, I jumped at the chance and uh, have been doing it ever since. Was writing animation something you had ever considered as a career? Not up until that point. Um, you know, I've been trying to, you know, get into writing sitcoms and all that stuff since I came out here in Los Angeles. And uh, but uh, it's just one of those things where it, uh, I don't know, it kind of pays to keep your eyes and ears open. And uh, you know, even if it's something um, that you weren't necessarily thinking you could do, or even had an inclination to do it, uh, you know, Mark mentioned this, and I. And I thought well that's that's pretty interesting it sounds a lot of like a lot of fun and i and i do love you know i do love watching animation uh, to this day i enjoy it and uh so i i you know the right thing to do from my perspective is kind of just go all right well i'll give this a shot and i i went along and uh and and have been enjoying the ride ever since and was there ever a specific moment when you realized that you wanted to be a writer um, I would say like back in grade school, I'm also an author, but, uh, back in grade school, uh, early grade school, I, I started reading. I'm, I'm a vociferous reader and, uh, I, I read a lot and I always have. And, uh, I don't know, I, for me anyway, when you, when you start reading a, a lot, uh, that led me to, uh, want to maybe someday, you know, sort of a pipe dream, but someday like write a book. 
And so, uh, you know, I, I eventually got into that. I always had uh, sort of an inclination to, to be a writer. And, and uh, when I came out here um, to Los Angeles, I, I'm originally from St. Louis. And when I came out here to Los Angeles, I was uh, almost immediately trying to uh, get work as a writer on different shows. So I don't know. I've always had that sort of inclination, but I would say that it started out with uh, me liking to read books a whole lot. When it comes to writing shows, what's the difference between writing for animation and writing for like a live action sitcom? Uh, well, I would say the main difference is that in animation, you have to um, make sure you pretty much describe anything that you actually want to see. Because, you know, if you think about it with live action, you have, uh, you know, the actors have been hired to sort of interpret characters and uh, interpret the script and uh, they'll actually actually sort of like add a lot of their own to that but um, in terms of animation if you think about it um, basically you have a artist sitting at their desk uh, basically looking at the script and uh, if it's not on the script I mean they'll you know the artists are, are so talented that work in animation they'll they'll add stuff if there's gaps and all that but it, it really helps if if you as the writer um, is very um, diligent in describing what needs to be seen on the screen. So uh, I would say like um, in a script, the descriptions part of it, you know, the action uh, tends to be a little more uh, drawn out than uh, definitely like a screenplay, but also even for uh, a, a standard sitcom, you know, the, the the descriptions in in sitcoms and in uh, film are generally, unless it's a high action thing where it's very specific. Let's let's say like a like a Marvel uh, universe sort of thing. Uh, the the descriptions are pretty much uh, short because that uh, the interpretation of the descriptions and the scenes are are let let up large or left largely up to the director and the actors when it came to scooby-doo specifically uh were you given a premise for the episode before writing it or did you get to kind of run wild and come up with the monster and things like that um a little bit of both i would say you know if we're gonna split percentages i would say like 10 percent of the time 15 percent of the time uh it was stuff that i pitched uh, like a story idea or whatever but um the guys who were you know running the show uh mitch and um and michael and and uh tony and spike and all those guys um really uh, this 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 series uh scooby series in particular was really well thought out by uh people like mitch and and all that ahead of time because uh, they uh, not only had a sort of a monster du jour, uh, but they also had a um, series-wide arc that was spread out over two seasons. So they really kind of had to know, uh, they really knew where they wanted to go. And so, uh, you know, they would give a uh, sort of a general premise and um, then I would... Uh, I or the other uh, writers would would come into the office and uh, we would work out the beats of that particular episode. And then, you know, I would go away and sort of 
clean up an outline and send it back and they would you know tweak something and send it back and then once i was given the go uh, to write the script it was it was pretty much all on me and uh so uh, you know a lot of the uh and those guys are so funny i mean they contributed mightily to dialogue and all that stuff but a lot of the fun sort of dialogue and uh little takes uh, the characters takes on uh the kind of stuff that was going on and, 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 you know, a lot of this story, the actual story, the nuts and bolts of the story were uh, left to me and uh, the other writers too. So it, it was actually one of the most fun shows I've ever written on in that regard. And we were able to, uh, you know, put a lot of, they were totally open to a lot of you know, smart aleck jokes and what have you. So uh, it, it was a great fun show to work on. And what were some of the ideas that you had pitched? Oh, uh, it was mostly stuff early on. I went, I, I, you know, again, this it's been a while since we did the show. So uh, if I had to come up with something particular, I could go back through, through the scripts and go, oh, yeah, that was mine. But uh, I would say it was a very much a collaborative effort. But um, a lot of the actual story, uh, for reasons that I mentioned, you know, that it was a uh, two seasons uh, series wide arc um, came out of uh, those guys. And what was it like to write for a Scooby-Doo show that did have that overarching story across the two seasons? Well, I, I personally, I loved it. Uh, I thought it was really cool that they, um, you know, that they gave a lot of thought to that. And, you know, obviously ahead of time, that's how it was pitched. And, uh, I don't know. I, I, I thought that was a lot of fun, um, you know, that they ended up doing something like that. Uh, it's it was a it was a little out of the ordinary, as, as I'm sure you'd agree, for uh, what a what a standard um, Scooby uh, series might might be like. And uh, I really appreciated the amount of thought and the storytelling that went into that. I I, I write um, science fiction and, and fantasy novels uh, as sort of my side hustle. And, uh, and, uh, so I appreciate a good, a good sort of a deeper story and, I, you know, don't get me wrong. I love the monster of the day, uh, angles and those, those are always, uh, always a lot of fun to write, but, uh, I, I really enjoyed that there was sort of a deeper level to, uh, the series than, uh, than is normally uh, the case with, uh, other series, N not a knock against the other series. It is what it is. I mean, that's the beauty of, uh, of Scooby-Doo, but uh, I really did enjoy uh, the sort of uh, uh, deeper aspect of a, of a series-wide arc. But uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was actually sort of the beauty of it. And in my opinion, and you know, I'm biased because I worked, this is the series I worked on and, and, I, and I, think it's, I think it's the best personally. It's just no offense to anyone else, but I think it's the best. Uh, but that was really sort of like the, the fun, cool aspect of it from my perspective is that they had worked out a lot of this stuff uh, and, and were able to tell a, a, a story with, with, in my opinion, great depth. And uh, like I was saying, with, with the books and stuff like that, you, you kind of have to uh, you kind of have to dig a little bit deeper uh, with with a story if you're going to plot out a novel. You know, it's it's, it's got to be a little bit deeper, and and I think uh, those guys accomplished uh, that it, it just on an amazing level.
And in the episodes that you had written, there was a couple of uh, interesting reveals. Like in the Hodeg, they find the the piece of the planospheric disc in the cheese. And right. um, the night on Haunted Mountain, they have like that huge Spanish conquistador story revealed. What was it like to be right. able to take a stab at writing that? It was a lot of fun. I mean, because, you know, like I said, we would go, we writers, or I would go in to uh, have that big session where we sort of like beat everything out. And uh, it was really cool to sort of like discover that, uh, you know, in my particular episode, you know, uh, a, a certain piece was revealed and and the, the, the sort of fun challenge to that was working it in uh, to the uh, monster of the day sort of challenge, you know, and because uh, uh, the two were often connected, you know. And so it was just sort of, it was just sort of like fun to to use your brain to sort of like see how that was going to work out. But also just to learn from them, you know, that uh, at this point, uh, this piece of the disc is uh, is uncovered and, uh, and the gang have found another one. So I thought that was pretty cool, to be honest. How do you keep the voices of the characters consistent? Um, well, I mean, that's, you know, people like Mitch and uh, Michael, they, that's sort of what their job is, is their, uh, their job is to keep track of that kind of stuff. But I mean, you know, in terms of uh, just like writing for different characters, I mean, you know, you've got, you've got what, five char- well-known characters that, you know, everybody knows how they talk and everybody knows that uh, every bit of uh, every dialogue point that uh, Shaggy has, he has to say like in there somewhere. So, you know, you kind of, you kind of pick up the show and um, you know, with those guys, you know, having, having our backs, having, having the writers backs in terms of uh, what they want, uh, keeping the, the characters voices consistent. It's, it's actually a lot of fun. Uh, I kind of describe it as like, you know, I've had the benefit of writing for like uh, Bugs Bunny and, uh, and Daffy Duck and, uh, you know, the, the Scooby-Doo uh, Mystery Incorporated. I, for me, it's like writing for uh, uh, animation royalty, if, <laughs> as uh, kind of odd as that sounds. But I really believe that it's like it's like a privilege to write for those characters. So uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, to answer your question directly, those guys, uh, the, the story editors, that's their job is to make sure that uh, everything um, tracks towards what, what we would expect uh, from the characters, you know, even new ones, but uh, it, it all it all sort of fits in with the tone of the show. Out of the gang specifically, who's your favorite character to write for? I liked, um, I really liked Velma. I thought Velma was a great character. She's my favorite character. And uh, I would say beyond her, I like, uh, you know, Shaggy's awesome. And uh, I don't know, they're all awesome. They all have their sort of fun moments. And it was, it, that was kind of a cool thing, like finding, a, you know, what, uh, going a little deeper on, on Daphne, let's say, and, uh, and, and her sister or, or something, what that family was like. And so what kind of reaction they would uh, have, you know, a uh, little snarkiness and all that. So uh, I, I would say my favorite was Velma, followed closely by Shaggy. Out of the really cool supporting characters in the episodes that you had written, was there one that you particularly enjoyed writing? Uh, Let's see. 
Um, I liked the guy, um, let's see, his uh, last name was Shepard uh, in the um, in the Hodag of Horror. Who's, he was sort of the huckster who uh, brought the, uh, the traveling curio show into town. Gene Shepard was his name. And uh, I enjoyed that character quite a bit. But there's a lot of fun characters, you know, the, the brothers uh, in the Battle of the Humongonauts, also, you know, awesome. I guess the I guess the villains. I also liked uh, um, Sheriff. Let's see, Sheriff Jones, I think is his name, right? Stone. Stone, Sheriff <laughs> Stone. All right. Well, oh, my uh, Scooby cred is going down the toilet, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Sheriff Stone was a lot. He was a lot of fun because it's sort of a, he had it's, he had so many conflicting urges that, that that was that was always a fun character to write. And for the minor characters that would be featured in just episodes that you had written, were you able to come up with the names for them, or was that already decided? Uh, as I recall, um, it was a combination of both. Um, like uh, in Hodaga Horror, the uh, the waiter, I think his name was Umberto or something, and uh, you know, I, my as memory serves and. As, as uh, people listening now know, my memory is somewhat sketchy. Uh, they, uh, I, I, as memory serves, I was able to come up with names like that. So, yeah, this, uh, yeah. Out of the episodes that you had written for the show, do you have a favorite? Uh, well, I uh, let's see. I would have to say it was it would be the Hodag of Horror. That's the one that I use. Uh, as a as an indicator of that that's the one that uh you know when i'm going for a job and uh you know uh my agent will send out like a list of well this is what he has available um the most requested uh are my scooby scripts and uh so out of those uh, and i'm you know i'm asked by my agent to pick the one that i think uh would be the best uh, sample and I always pick uh, Hodag because it's 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 number one pure nuts, but it's also a real. It's a truly pure uh, mystery incorporated sort of story, and I think uh, I, I I think I serve the uh, main characters well, and uh, you know present them in the best light possible. So uh, that's the one that I pick uh, to send out as a writing sample. And when it came to writing an episode, what was your specific process? Well, uh, I, you know, I get word that uh, they wanted to give me uh, another assignment, and uh, which uh, was always very cool. And uh, then uh, I would go in and uh, meet with those guys, and like I like I said, uh, you know, I I have the the premise ahead of time, uh, whether it was supplied by me or by them. And then uh, we would go through and we would beat it out um, in terms of uh, this. This has to happen. We're going to reveal, uh, you know, this part of the disc in this episode and uh, you know, that sort of thing. And then once I had that happen, I would go home and uh, I would uh, I would write all that stuff up. All the you know, taking copious notes, I would I would write all that out and then come up with a sort of like a first draft of an outline and then send that in. And then it would go back and forth, maybe a time or two. And then uh, once I had been given the go, the green light to uh, 
go to script, start writing the script, I'd, I'd basically do that. And I'd, I'd, I'd come up with a first draft based on that. And, you know, often there'd be like little snippets of dialogue that, uh, you know, we as a group came up with, or I came up with in the meeting and, you know, those would be inserted and, uh, I would write a, write a rough draft or a first draft and send it in there. And then we'd get notes, uh, you know, first, first from, uh, the creative team, Mitch and all those guys. And then, um, uh, once, once that happened, um, I would, uh, you know, I would, I would adjust to their notes and, uh, refine it and maybe do another, uh, another draft or two, uh, with finishing up with like a, what is called a polished draft, which, uh, means that, you know, most of the rough edges have been knocked off of the story, so to speak. And, uh, the polished draft is just making everything smooth and, and making sure, uh, everything uh, is connected well and has good transitions and, uh, you know, good dialogue and all that. And, uh, and that would be it. So I would say, you know, uh, a rough outline, a, uh, polished outline, uh, first, second draft, and then a polished draft. And were there ever any challenges to keeping the darker tone that Mystery Incorporated has while also still like in inserting a lot of comedy and lightheartedness of Scooby-Doo? Uh, no, <laughs> not, not for me anyway. I don't know. I, I, I see, I grooved on all that stuff. I thought it was awesome. And, uh, I liked that uh, this particular series had a little bit of a of a darker tone to it. There was there was consequences, you know, the that were uh, kind of serious, and I and I liked that, and that it was it was a true mystery with uh, with peril, you know, a lot of, with actual real peril uh, in the storyline. So I I that didn't bother me at all. I, I actually thrived on that. I loved it. Um, and I have a couple of episode-specific questions. I don't think they're like too too specific, so hopefully they're not. Uh, they're not. They won't stump you here. I will do my best to answer them. <laughs> um, so for the Battle of the Humongonauts, what was it like to write that relationship feud between Velma, Shaggy, and Scooby? That was fun. I mean, I, I enjoyed that. That I mean, you know, in all the series, there's always a little bit of that going on, but I, I think it was sort of highlighted in this in this particular series. And so, when there was when there was conflict, it was fun to do it. And uh, I would say the underlying uh, note to all of that is that uh, at the end of the day, even though they were sort of really, you know, really hardcore, not getting along, uh, there was always uh, you knew that there was underneath it all, there was always affection and loyalty. And uh, so I don't know, I, I, I enjoyed writing that. Um, and was it your idea for Fred's solution to the feud to be group uniforms? I don't, <laughs> that sounds like something I would do. So I'm going to say yes. Uh, I would going to say 85% yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and in this episode specifically, Mr. E has a riddle that he gives them. Uh, but more broadly, what was it like to be able to, you know, kind of craft those Mr. E clues? Uh, again, I would say those characters, uh, characters like Mr. E were uh, sort of the purview mostly of, uh, of Mitch and uh, the other uh, creatives on the show. So, uh, 
a lot. I got my cues on a lot of that stuff from them. Okay. And and that was done obviously to, like I was saying earlier, to sort of like keep uh, the the voice of the show consistent. And uh, you know, what, those those were uh, those characters weren't necessarily all over the series, but you know, it was in, it was really important that when they showed up. Uh, what what they contributed to a particular episode or to the series in general was very clear and consistent. Um, moving on to the Wild Brood, how did you come up with the the gag where Sheriff Stone wanders into a closet in Daphne's house? <laughs> Again, that sounds like one of mine, so I, I, I will take, uh, say, 85 to 90% credit for that. And how I came up with it, I don't know. How, how I write in general is um, I'm kind of, uh, you know, I, I, I have all my information that I've gotten, you know, story-wise and all that from everybody. And then I kind of do it in sort of a stream of consciousness way. And, um, you know, I, 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 whatever I, I have my skills that I apply to it. And, um, if, uh, if I, you know, if I went back and looked at the actual script, I might be able to tell you something, but, uh, offhand, I don't know. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I'm sorry. I hope this is not disappointing to you or your listeners. No, it's perfect. Um, and in the beginning of the Sirens song, uh, the episode starts with Fred and Daphne walking through the muse- museum and they come across statues of Flim Flam and Scrappy. Do you remember how that scene came about? I think it was just looking for, uh, you know, what would be in that museum and like just sort of like going back and uh, and uh, like uh, sort of like almost like a, sort, of, sort of like a, a sense tribal memory of like stuff that had happened in previous series and all this stuff. And uh, yeah, I, I, I hope I'm not stepping on any toes here, but uh, I remember, I remember specifically, I remember, you know, Scrappy uh, being, um, uh, well, that's not one of my favorite characters. Let's, let's put it that way. And uh, so I just remember, uh, thinking about a way to sort of like uh, get a little dig at Scrappy. And um, I don't know, I, I, I've described him before as uh, being sort of like the Jar Jar Binks of, uh, of the Scooby series, you know, sort of this bizarre character that uh, some people love, but not everybody likes. All of your episodes have so many great lines that have uh, occasionally turned into the odd meme, like, uh, Velma's response with like the chick mustache and like Scooby's like questions about love sequence. Uh, did you ever expect that things like just lines like that would get that kind of reaction? I'm always very pleasantly surprised when anything like that happens from any of my scripts from any show that I worked on. But I mean, on this one in particular, it's I consider it an honor uh, when, when that kind of stuff gets, uh, gets repeated. And, uh, it's, it's so much fun to come. Like I said, for, for me, the thrill was, uh, writing for this, uh, animation, uh, royalty. And then, so coming up with lines that fit totally into their character, uh, ideally and, uh, are, are fun and, and repeatable to me is, is just a, a real super nice sort of bonus. And just generally, why do you think that a cartoon about a mystery-solving dog has held up for so long? Uh, 
Boy, I don't know. That's great. I just think uh, over the years, there's been some, uh, even, you know, even like with some of the stuff that's, that's sort of campy, you know, um, uh, sort of like traditional uh, Scooby stuff. I think that, you know, whether it's the voice acting or the, uh, the writing or the direction or, or, uh, you know, the, the expectations that the audience has that it's, uh, you know, at the end of an episode, the, the mask is going to be pulled and the, uh, the, the town, uh, whatever, curmudgeon uh, is revealed as the, the true villain. I think all of that stuff is just, it's just sort of a fun thing that people have, have sort of grooved on it. And, uh, you know, as to specifically, I mean, why that would have gone on, you know, I, I know like, you know, early on, I, you know, when they, when they pitched that stuff, I mean, I know it was because, you know, Hanna-Barbera had a great track record with uh, getting shows that, uh, you know, kids like to watch on the air. Um, I know that they, you know, had, had probably a somewhat of an easier time uh, pitching that sort of thing. But uh, uh, in this case, uh, a lot of that show, I mean, for years and years and years, sort of the, the same uh, uh, formula, you know, repeating itself. I think that half, half, half of it has to do with uh, the sort of like, appeal of uh something that you recognize and you look forward to and uh how are they going to do it in this particular episode and what was it like for you to kind of hop on to writing a show that you had grown up watching it was so cool um like i said i had that uh you know i I heard about it and then i got my agents to go in and uh to get it so i could go in and uh and meet with uh mitch and uh like I said, uh, the meeting went well and I got hired. And, uh, to me, that was like, uh, talk about, you know, thrilling moments in animation, uh, for me was one of my thrilling moments. It was, it was so cool to be involved in that show that I, I basically grew up watching, you know, the original series, you know, every, that was one of the, the Saturday morning cartoon thing was, uh, in force. And, uh, you know, every every Saturday morning watching a, a, a Scooby episode uh, was was pretty darn cool. You know, many years later, being actually involved in the making of it. So, yeah, same for Bugs Bunny and uh, the the Warner characters. Uh, very cool. I think that covers all of the questions that I had for you. Is there anything else that you wanted to add at all about Scooby or about uh, writing for shows that you grew up watching? Uh, nothing comes to mind. I'd be happy to answer any other questions, but, uh, I just, uh, I would say just in general, it's been a dream come true that I was not expecting to happen, uh, that I'm an animation writer with so, so many great shows and stuff I'm working on now, stuff I worked on recently, Scooby stuff prior to, to all that, you know, the Klasky Chupa stuff, all that, uh, I, I love uh, I love writing animation, and I always feel lucky and privileged when I get a, get the chance to do it. And just before we end, do you have any recent projects that you'd like to promote? Uh, yeah, well, I'm, I've been working on this show called Hello Ninja, which is a, a preschool show. It's about these two little kids, um, uh, Wesley and Georgie, and uh, they sort of work through uh, life. Uh, uh, using uh, uh, ninja ethics <laughs> codes 
to uh, to solve their everyday problems, like you know, being the first time they ride around the block on on their bicycles, that sort of thing. And it, it's a lot of fun, and it's not uh, above all, it's not preachy, but it's just a lot of fun thing where, where there's a bit of a message, but it's not too heavy handed. Uh, so I've been working on that, and then I mentioned it before. I write um, uh, science fiction and fantasy novels, and uh, you know, I, I've been doing that for for years, and uh, I just love doing it, and they've got a couple books coming out that'll be out before the end of the year. So, yeah, I keep busy. I like to write, so I, I like to keep busy with that. Perfect. Uh, and do you have social media channels where people can get in touch with you? Yeah, um, they could reach me on Twitter, at Roger Eschbacher. Um, I'm on uh, Facebook. I've got a Facebook author page. Uh, they can just uh, kind of, you know, look me up on there. It's easy to find. Um, also, uh, I have a surprisingly strong presence on LinkedIn, uh, just sort of the the odd sort of channel. But uh, uh, it's, I've met a lot of nice people over there. So uh, look me up on LinkedIn to just, you know, enter Roger Eschbacher and, and I'll be there. I'm trying to think. Uh, I got a blog, rogereschbacher.com, but... That's kind of a, uh, I made the mistake of uh, leaving a, a blogger when they said uh, that their new thing was going to be better. And so I converted to it and now uh, it's not better. And I'm having a hard time uh, getting my old blog back. So uh, that's a, a sort of a hesitant uh, recommendation there. All right. Uh, perfect. I think that covers everything. Thanks so much for uh, chatting with me today, Roger. You're welcome, Alexa. I enjoyed it. You asked good questions, and I'm sorry I didn't have better answers. <laughs> and that concludes today's episode. Another huge thank you to Roger Eschbacher for chatting with me. For more groovy content, be sure to check at UnmaskedSD on Twitter, at UnmaskedSD Podcast on Instagram or at unmaskedsdpodcast.com. You can also find the podcast on Facebook under the Unmasked History of Scooby-Doo podcast. If you like this episode and want to hear more, also make sure to check those social media channels or the website. Or you can listen to older episodes wherever you like to get your podcast fix. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode in this month's Mystery Incorporated theme, which features lead character designer Derek J. Wyatt. Scooby-Dooby-Doo!